the week between Christmas and New Year's was some of the hardest days. There's nothing really to do. In fact, you're supposed to kind of just spend that time with your family and watch movies and just be cozy. I was so miserable. I realized that what makes me feel good about myself and in business is to work. I want that boredom. I really don't know how to tap into that and be okay with it and not feel lazy. most fertile periods in my life in terms of when I've had the best ideas, the clearest thinking, come from extended periods of nothingness. No deadlines, no client calls, no demands on my time. Super creative then. It's not the only way to be creative, but I think it's important for you to build into your life and your work the largest consolidated amount of discretionary time so that you get to decide what you want to do with it. Okay. Reza, what's up, man? Super excited on this about this topic. There's a difference between being bored and taking it easy. Ta- you know, taking that moment to pause, breathe, allow allowing kind of thoughts to come and go naturally and just explore in your mind, I think are great. But I wouldn't consider that boredom. Um, and I don't know if you made made that distinction earlier on, or e- even if it's a it's a valid distinction. But I think there there is. I think for me personally, boredom is is more of a negative. Um, bo- being bored, uh, I don't want to say is is for losers, but, but no, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it's for losers. Being bored is for losers. Uh, it, it 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 I think it fosters complacency, uh, and complacency is kind of like the enemy. You know, there's infinite possibilities of of things a person can be doing proactively to move forward and learn. Uh, and grow uh, in whatever whatever uh, you know route they're in, um, and being bored is is I think just floating around in indecisiveness and too many possibilities and not taking action. So I mean, in this time, this this day and age, I think it's just impossible. It's a, it's all, it's almost impossible to be bored. You know, you, that means you're not creating, you're not taking action. There's nothing to do on your to do list. I don't I don't buy it. Um, so, I mean, you know, there's many things you can do. Go to the museum, go pick up the phone, talk to someone, text someone. And, and another thing uh, is, you know, the urgency and immediacy of something is kind of important. If, if you are feeling bored, you know, putting those deadlines self-imposed or uh, having someone that you, you need to be accountable to, you know, like client work is, is a perfect example of something like that. But, I mean, even at simply tweeting out a promise or something saying, I'm going to create a short, I'm going to sell this much in, 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 by the end of the month, you know, even though it's just out into the Twitter abyss, you know, someone may like it, someone may hold you accountable to it at some little degree that may get you kind of uh, started on it. So those are, those are my two cents on boredom. You know, it's interesting the way you set that up. And at first I was like rooting for you. And I'm like, wait a minute. I thought you were saying, being bored is good. Taking it easy is not. Maybe we're going to split hairs here with words, but taking it easy says uh, I'm going to shift into a different gear because I'm no longer 
as passionate about doing what it is I'm doing. Maybe. And here are my thoughts on this, Reza. And I, I really, um, you know, you guys don't know Reza, but he's a very talented person. He, he draws, he paints, he makes, I mean, he's a talented guy. And I can see that he might represent a lot of creative people in the room where it's, it's, it's not okay to have something or nothing on your plate at all. And to me, this is an intentional decision and by design that I have space to quiet my mind. Because in this culture of go, 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 hustle, grind, I think we start to lose our way and then we empty our tanks and we have nothing left to give. Now, a lot of people will say this to me, Chris, where, where do these ideas come from? Like, how do you know this? How did you meet this person? I said, well, I create the space for that opportunity to happen. And as much as I'm feeling my schedule, it's because I'm trying to design my life so that I can have a Twitter space conversation or a clubhouse conversation so I can learn things from people, not motivated by any other deadline or need to make money. There are plenty of people who are working with me who take care of all the different parts and pieces. So I get to choose and that flexibility to choose it's my form of work meditation. And I don't know about you, Reza, and I've done this many times before. My wife will say, we're going on a three-week, four-week, two-month vacation. You're not allowed to do any work. I'm like, cool. And what do I do? I pack some books with me, right? Like, I'm going to work. And after a while, I'm like, I'm not going to read this. I'm just going to sit here. And something really wonderful happens for me in that space where nothing is happening. I'm not thinking about projects. Some of the best, biggest ideas that I have, initiatives I want to launch, materialize there or I'm able to reflect back on the last one, three, five years and remember something and connect dots. I think in order for you to be able to connect those dots, you need to have space to think. Now, I know in the creative process, you and I have worked on pitches together. They're usually very fast paced. The deadlines are very tight and we're busy like booking team members, uh, supervising teams, just doing a lot of stuff that then somebody walks over who has none of this can look at it like you're missing the big picture because you're like one eighth inch away from the grindstone. You don't have perspective. I know when I build in space to cram, to study, and then do nothing at all, I'm activating, which Nicolina would call my subconscious dream mind to be able to connect the dots. You can't do that if you don't have that gap. I don't call that taking it easy. I'm working just on a different plane. Yeah, I think that's semantics. Um, I would call that taking it easy because you just said you're on vacation, right? <laughs> For three weeks. Um, I think being bored, you're, I guess I'm just thinking of like the classic like child who you know is, is just coming up to you and saying, oh, I'm bored, right? But you're, you're, not, you're not in that mindset when you're, when you're on vacation and taking it easy. I, you know, you're, you're not saying I'm bored. Uh, you're, you're saying, I'm going to take it easy and I'm going to, and I'm going to still do these things in my mind. Right. So you're still, you're still working, but in a, in a, in a more relaxed state. So I guess maybe it is just semantics. I, I want to jump in here real quick because there are, I think my guilt whenever I'm in a state of qualified as boredom has been because of how I'm defining it. So the the way Reza has described boredom is like you've almost just given up on being uh, the way I understood it is like being aware or being present to what you're doing. But the way the way Chris is defining boredom, and I do think it's semantics. It's like 
your state, almost it's like a meditative state, it sounds like. So you're still present, but you're in tune to the silence. You're in tune to your, your thinking. It's an active state of being present. It's not just this passive, let me potato around. That's how I understood it. And I think it's a powerful distinction when we think about it, because there is times where you need to, quote unquote, take it easy and turn it all off. And then there is those times where, for lack of a better term in all the semantics discussion, like an active state of presence. I do think that the language that we're using matters, right? Because when we're talking about boredom, it's the opportunity for our minds to wander and for us to not have any particular one thing that we're focused on. We're just being in that time. And what research has found with kids and with adults is that, you know, that's actually really, really important. And that filling all of that time and space actually very much thwarts our ability to, to flow and to access those creative things centers of our brain. So I do think that it's important that when we're looking at this idea of boredom, there's also a spectrum, right? So if you're spending all day, every day being bored, sure. I mean, anything in extremes is not great, right? You probably need to look at, you know, how am I attaining the goals that I've set out for? But if you're not able to tolerate any boredom, that's the other end of the spectrum. And in between is an opportunity to find a balance between productivity and the opportunity to just be and not feel guilty about it. Um, and I think that that, you know, Reza, what you're speaking to, I think is, um, you know, part of a lot of people's struggle too, right? Is we do have this guilt about just being because we, we I think, inherently feel like we're doing something wrong. Um, and that's not just, you know, you or, or anybody else. I think that that's... Um, just the way that people in general view it is it has that negative connotation like Mo was saying but I think that that's part of what the conversation is is how do we look at boredom and what I honestly consider to be a part of self-care as an opportunity to reconnect and as a mandate not uh, a nicety like we have to otherwise we're gonna get so depleted and I think we've talked about this before in these conversations that we burn out. And then, and then what good are we to anybody, to ourselves, to our loved ones, to our businesses, to our creative creativity? We lose all of it because we haven't t- given ourselves and built in the opportunity to just be. So, so yeah, so I, that's all that I wanted to add in there. I appreciate that, that perspective. I, you know, I just, I, I just think that it, it, it really is underscoring um, some of the narrative that, that we have around this idea of boredom and why we feel weird or guilty or ashamed um, when, when we experience it. Donna, go ahead. Hey, Chris and Nitty and Mo, such a good conversation. I have the hardest time with nothing to do, like the hardest time with it. In fact, when I have nothing actually happening, I create something. So even on my days where I have nothing to do, I reorganize a closet. I decide to completely create a sales page. I create an offer. I record 17 podcasts. Like something's wrong with me in that sense because I literally am not good with nothing. And what I realized was I was going through a, a period of time over this um, holiday break, where I forced myself to take the majority of at least the second half of December off. And the reason why I did that is because A, I have my own business and we can, and B, no, no one's in the mood to like, you know, be coaching and growing their business in those last couple weeks of December. Everyone wants to kind of take it off. So I was excited for the idea of it. 
And we went to Mexico, my family and I, for a week. And by day seven, we we, we were there eight days. By day seven, I was pulling my hair out. I was like, I, I can't be on vacation anymore. Like, I cannot do nothing all day. I need to do... So I'm going on like 14-mile runs every day. And then I come back to Los Angeles and I still had a week off. And if I can be honest, the week between Christmas and New Year's was some of the hardest days for me because it was so dead, right? Like there's nothing really to do. In fact, you're supposed to do nothing. You're supposed to kind of just spend that time and, and do puzzles and be with your family and watch movies and, you know, just be cozy. I was so miserable. I realized that my self-care and what makes me feel good about myself and in business or whatever is to work, is to be productive, is to. So I struggle with this. I want that boredom. I want to work on that board. Like I need that. And I get everything you're saying, Chris, and such great points. I really don't know how to tap into that and be okay with it and not feel like lazy. I guess lazy is the word. I feel lazy. Oh my gosh. This is why I want to talk about this, Donna. Now you are like a high achiever. You, you probably, your heart rate probably goes faster than mine. All these kinds of things like you need to do stuff and, or you just feel like something is wrong. I often think of you, you might be the uh, the Flash, the character from the DC comics where everybody else must move very slowly compared to Barry, right? It's like, how I mean, do you- hundred percent. Right? So I, I want to talk to you about the benefits of this and the the reason why I want to make this distinction between boredom and taking it easy. Taking it easy sounds like rest to me. And boredom is a deliberate state of work that doesn't look like work when you don't know what's going on. And my wife sometimes, she, we do this all the time. She's like, oh, honey, so you're just doing this. I'm like, Shh. no, no, no. I, I, I'm working right now. It doesn't look like it, but I'm putting complex thoughts together. I just don't want anything pulling me right now. And when, when we were talking earlier about the effective executive by Peter Drucker, he says your job as the, uh, as the executive or the leader in your company is to gather the largest chunk of discretionary time. He's talking about creating periods of boredom during the workday so you can just think. It's not taking it easy. Taking it easy to me carries a certain amount of judgment, especially if you're in a high work work ethic culture. I'm going to give Reza just a quick rebuttal here if he wants to, or he can just submit and say he was wrong. That's okay too. I'm definitely not wrong. I'm going all in. I'm doubling down on what I said. Uh, boredom is negative. Um, boredom in the way you're doing something uh, if you're bored of doing, let's say, you know, if you're a painter uh, and you are suddenly bored of uh, painting a certain way, you know, you're, you're always painting portraits of people, you know, uh, not taking action on that boredom and not taking uh, a, a, a new way of approaching painting uh, and consistently staying in your lane and being bored is totally negative. Uh, but you can turn that boredom into something positive, which is, you know, searching for a new way of painting, right? And you're no longer painting portraits of people. You're painting port uh, uh, still lifes or whatever, you know, something new, something novel. And I think boredom can be good if you spin it into something new uh, that erases your boredom. Um, you know, when you're saying you're creating a space for boredom, I still think that you're just creating a space to take it easy and let your mind uh, have a space to, to, to stretch its legs and, and roam free. Uh, I, I don't think that's boredom. 
to me. Very good. Thank you, Reza. Lisa, we'll, we'll move the mic along. Well, Reza, I've got so many things, but um, it's been great to listen to everyone. One of the things I wanted to say was uh, one of my, I would say, mentors a while back said to me, um, the less I work, the more I earn. And I was like, what are you talking about? I've been brought up, you know, in a family where they've worked really hard to, you know, my dad worked all the time to give us what he did. And my belief was you had to work, you know, when I was examining it, I had to work my butt off to get what I wanted. And um, my task that week um, I was given was just uh, like, she was like, how often do you lay in the cloud, lay on the grass and look at the clouds? You know, and I'm looking at her like, well, obviously never. Since I was a child, I haven't spent that sort of time just laying on the grass as you did when you were young. And being able to make that space in my life is what saved me from burnout, which is what heals me, just having those moments where I take time in the day, um, paying attention to what's working for me. I think we're all diverse um, species and there's so many different types of brains. And as Lola said, it's about paying attention to what's your belief. Why do I believe I have to work my butt off to get this? Can I change that belief? And um, it's pretty cool when you change the belief. You think, no, that's my parents' belief. I've brought it with me. But you have to pay attention to um, solve those problems. You know, creativity only happens in the subconscious mind. So whatever your perspective of boredom is, I think Rez is on a different place. I know with my kids when he said, I'm bored, I'm bored. We, I used to ban devices quite often in our house. And, um, you know, that first week they'd be laying on the couch, rolling around. I'm bored, mum, like, please let me on the PlayStation. But you would watch and within, you know, after a week, they'd start creating. They'd go in the garden and make camps. They'd start using Lego again. They'd draw pictures. They'd make little books. And it was just so much better for their mentality. Um, so I think it's it's what you do. You do need to be bored. But it's actually, as we're saying, like a meditative state really. But just taking the time to stop your brain and paying attention to what's working in life for you, I think are great tips that have come from this conversation. Hey, Donna, good to see you. I wanted to respond to like what Donna had said and then Reza kind of pulled it through too. And there was like this equating of boredom with lazy. And I just really want to like put a pin in this because those are two very different and disparate concepts. When we're talking about lazy, we're talking about an unwillingness to work. And what I'm hearing you say, Donna, is it's in those moments, it's not that you're unwilling to work. If you wanted to work, you could absolutely work. It's not that you're lazy. It's that you're trying to build in an opportunity for you to get used to some downtime and a little bit of quiet and not feeling as though you have to go a million miles a minute. So I think that lazy is the judgment that we make when we think of the word boredom, but they aren't equal. They don't go together. That's not inherently linked. They're two very different concepts. Um, and I think it's important. I would ask you the same questions, Donna, around, because I know I know you and I know that there's a high achievement element of this too. Um, and that I know that your identity is also tied in a lot of ways 
to your work ethic and what you put out there and, you know, how you help people, et cetera. And so once again, just like I said with Mo, then if our identity is completely rooted in in doing, then just being feels like a threat to ourselves and our worth and who we are as a person. So that's the separation and that's the work too. And those are probably early messages that I know probably both of y'all received. Um, I know for me, I, I only received love and affection at home when I achieved. So it became really difficult for me to love myself if I wasn't achieving because my entire life, everybody only praised me or only gave me, you know, good feedback when I had gotten the straight A's or when I, you know, got a, a full scholarship or whatever the case may be. But those things didn't fill an emotional hole that was within me, which is a need for self-nurturing and self-worth, not external worth. And that was the, that's the continued journey. I, I know I'm not at the end of that myself either, but that that was just some food for thought, perhaps, you know, to really separate the concept of laziness and instead view it as a value judgment on the idea of having time and space to think and that they don't have to go together. And it's programming that's really linked them together. So I'll pause there. Thank you very much. I'll move the mic over to Cooper. Hi, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was this is fantastic. Uh, just want to say that, you know, like, while Lisa was saying that we're so diverse, I also feel like we're so same. And listening to everybody, I feel like I'm, I've been dealing with the same concerns. Um, and, you know, I really like what uh, Chris said about uh, discretionary time. And I think he quoted Peter Drucker um, and, and the intentionality of it. Uh, but I really appreciate what Reza also brought up about boredom and the semantics around it. Because uh, just anecdotally speaking, like last time I was bored was when I was out of job, right? And I think a lot of us have this association, this negative association of boredom from a time when we weren't in control, right? Whereas I think the the positive spin to it is boredom, which is intentional. So uh, I think I've been able to sort of separate the two through this conversation. So thank you. Thank you for this, guys. Yeah, thanks for making that distinction between boredom as you suffer as a child with nothing to do and Nitty for saying the judgment that we might feel about that and these being two separate concepts and the fact that we're talking about now as an adult one where you have agency to intentionally be bored. And I find that in the modern society with all the distractions, there's so many different forms of streaming media and social media and every other kind of media that you can have, it seems like there's no opportunity for us just to be still to quiet our mind and to allow nothing to exist and to have a state of mindfulness that I'm going to be okay with this and this is not me judging myself and to put myself in this position. I think about things like uh, that expression, nature abhors a vacuum. And so when you're always being motivated to put a fire out one after the other, I got to get this email out. I got to submit this proposal. I got to give my team feedback. I mean, ask yourself if you keep doing that, are you feeling more creative or less creative? Are you more likely to have a breakthrough idea? And some of you might say yes, some of you will say no, but just answer that question for yourself. If you're consistently putting out fires, running 100 miles an hour, are you going to be able to vision plan? Can you see the iceberg coming before it hits the ship? And to me, it's actually very hard to sit and actually be intentional and clear your mind and have nothing to do. Because what happens there is... It's not that nothing happens. You start to daydream and ideas start to percolate and bubble up and new connections are made in your mind. And that's what I'm a champion for. 
Not talking about trapped in a room against your will, you have no agency over. Time for a quick break, but we'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to our conversation. I'm going to pass it over to Sophia. Thanks, Chris. I feel like this conversation is making me feel like I need permission to take that time to explore other creative avenues and explore my own sense of boredom and what that means to me. And I think that for a lot of us, we weren't exposed to that type of environment, both growing up and in our working environments. I've had jobs where if you were bored or if you were doing other creative things, even if it enhanced your skills and made you a better worker, it was frowned upon. Um, you know, I, were, I grew up in an environment where, um, you know, my mother raised us as a single mom, three, three girls. And there was no time to be bored. There's always something to do, something to take care of, something to help with, something to, to be done. So there's no time to kind of even allow, allow yourself to go and explore things. And so now that I'm a business owner, it's very difficult for me to not do. I feel like in order for me to have time to spend exercising other creative avenues um, out of sheer pleasure and joy, I have to have a really good reason. And a lot of that's dependent upon what I believe is successful. So landing a large client or making a certain amount of money or doing something that says, okay, now you've earned the right to relax. And um, the truth is, is that this journey is really long, it's difficult, and if you don't give yourselves breaks along the way and allow yourself to adjust and explore, you'll just burn out. Thank you very much, Sophia. Okay, you know what? Matthew has raised his hand. He doesn't raise his hand often. Hey, Chris. I've been working on accepting boredom as a big part of my life, and it's been huge in terms of uh, being able to just have downtime to think about the work, to think about the things that I'm ruminating on instead of actually doing the work. And I think those are two very different things. And one thing that I learned from the book Limitless from Jim Quick is that when you go into these stages of boredom, just the downtime to think, it's important to have a curiosity in your mind. So I'll give you an example. Uh, Recently, I've been working on a documentary and I've been trying to piece together certain stories for the characters that I've filmed. And I've been struggling with it. So, you know, what I do is I'll work on crafting the story, a little outline until the point where it's like nothing good is coming out. I pause there and the curiosity in my mind is how can I connect act one, act two, act three and develop this character over the story? Then what I do is I might go watch a documentary. I might do something that is what quote unquote might be boredom. But I had this curiosity floating around in the back of my mind and I exposed myself to things like other content, other documentaries, and just downtime to just walk around. And having that downtime where I'm not actually doing the work, but there is the curiosity floating, my brain is actively connecting all of these dots and almost to the point where it's like that lightning bolt that sometimes we all experience 
I've, I feel like I've been able to recreate that many times in this boredom because I could see the dots more clearly because I'm creating them, but only because I have that intention in mind. Like there's a curiosity there that um, my brain, uh, that I, it's like a task I've given to my brain to do um, while I'm checked out, you know, while I'm in my boredom state. So I just wanted to add that because I felt like that wasn't covered to have that curiosity or question in your mind as you, you think about um, stuff and, and you have time to think about your projects. Hey, Matthew, just a quick question before we move on is uh, you and I have worked together for a really long time. You're a really high achiever. You are a very conscientious, thoughtful, intentional person. And you mentioned this feeling about like giving your, yourself space to just think and the negative feelings that you might have around that. Can you talk a little bit more about that feeling and what you did to overcome this? Yeah, I think the biggest part with anything is realizing that it's there first, right? So awareness is always the first step to acknowledge and accept that this is a part of who you are and what you feel and that you can look at that a little bit more objectively because until you can see it, until you can acknowledge it, it doesn't exist, right? It's it's vapor and it's really hard to grasp onto. So once I realized um, that the guilt was optional. My feelings towards the events that were happening were optional. Uh, I, I, I could more objectively look at that. Like, do I want to feel that way? What are the things that I can change in order to change the situation? And part of that was relinquishing control and realizing that without me being in the picture, things would work out fine. I, I think there was a period when uh, I was working there for you, Chris, and I took a month off, I believe, to do the Alt-MBA program, and I wasn't really directing the team. It was almost a month, or I might have taken some vacation time off because I had accrued so much. I never took vacation. And it was like two or three weeks off, and everything still got done. And then I realized in that period, that was just long enough for me to see that, okay, three weeks of me not touching the work, it still got done because the systems were in place, and maybe I'm trying to have my hand on everybody's wheels when everyone can drive perfectly themselves. I've taught them how to drive. They're smart enough to do it. And once I started to relinquish that control, I started to realize, okay, well, now that I don't have to manage them, <laughs> what am I going to do with my free time? What do I want to do with my free time? And then who do I want to be actually? Is, is a manager of other people's time, is that what I want to be? I don't think so. So starting to have some of this space where I'm distancing myself from my expectations and responsibilities to others helped me gain clarity and kind of stop the noise from everything that's being pressured onto me to be able to hear myself. And this was even, even more helpful after I quit working at the future in February. I told myself, you know what, for the first two or three months, I'm going to say no to every single opportunity, every single thing. I'm going to say no to everything. <laughs> and I did. So for two or three months, all I did was just work on myself. Uh, I realized that's an extreme privilege and luxury to have, but I worked very hard to get to that point, to have space to just not do anything. And probably for the first two weeks, I just played Call of Duty nonstop. <laughs> and after that, I got burnt out on that. I was like, hey, well, let me sit around and do nothing. And then slowly but surely... All of the obligations and expectations were off of my plate. I started to feel the pull of certain things that I was curious about. And I started creating and I started making. And then I started 
I felt like more genuinely expressing the voice that was inside and, and starting to pedal the wheels and, and get some momentum there. Now, you know, a whole year later, I feel like I'm moving really fast, moving very far, but I'm not tired. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm sprinting and sprinting and sprinting. I feel like I'm going at a really steady pace and I'm enjoying the ride. I'm enjoying the scenery. And um, yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm feeling good about all of that. Thank you, Matt. So I think we're going to move to Donna. Yes, really, really fast. I was thinking about, you know, the idea of the difference between doing nothing because like the distinguish, uh, the distinguishing kind of idea between laziness slash boredom. And I think it's really important to distinguish, but also I don't know about you. I get my best ideas when I'm busy. I get my best ideas when I'm on a run. I get my best ideas when I'm, you know, listening to a podcast, when I'm in the middle of coaching or on a Twitter space or whatever. I don't get my best ideas in silence. I don't get my best ideas, you know, when I'm meditating. I can't even meditate. In fact, it's like very, very challenging for my brain to turn off. It doesn't, I don't know how to meditate. Yoga makes me insane. But when I'm doing cardio, I feel like I get my best ideas. So what's up with that? Why does boredom or the idea of intentionally doing nothing not give me uh, a feeling of, you know, ideas or whatever. You know what I mean? It's a, it's an interesting kind of like thinking or thought around it. Oh my God. Okay. Donna, now you're pulling me into this one right now. This is very fascinating how you describe, you know, you get your best ideas when you're really busy and then you say on a run, do you know what's happening when you're running? Like what's happening is you're concentrating, you're breathing, you're taking your, uh, take a step. That's really all you're doing. And so you're entering into a meditative state, even though you said you don't meditate. And when you're listening to a podcast, you know what's happening there? You're bored. Your mind is wandering. You're daydreaming about other things. And so sometimes when we're driving, I don't know if you guys know, know this or not, but you're entering into a state of self-hypnosis. It is so... Uh, you're operating the car and the vehicle going down a road that you've been down a thousand times before you're entering into an autonomic state and you're like switching off a part of your active brain. And then some weird things start to happen. Some of the best ideas start to come up. Same thing happens when you're washing the dish dishes or when you're taking a shower or doing something really mundane, enter into state of boredom. The ideas get to bubble up, but imagine you trying to come up with an idea when you're actively talking to a client pretty difficult, theoretically, if you're actively listening. Everything you're saying is really interesting. I've never thought of the act of doing as being intentionally on the act of doing nothing. Thank you, Donna. Okay, we're going to move this over to Lisa. Thank you. I was going to actually say the same thing to Donna. You are bored when you are doing all these actions things. I think that people think, oh, meditating is like, oh, hours. I'm going to lay on the grass and do nothing. But I learned a tea meditation and um, when I'm making tea, I force my body to stop, listen to the bubbles of the tea. Just have that moment where my conscious brain is not living in the future, is not thinking of all the things. And by doing that regularly every day, it's, that has almost become a habit. And it's just time during the day which... Our subconscious brain needs that to make the creativity. It is, can only happen, I think, we have an idea as Matt, I loved everything um, 
that said, we have that idea in our conscious brain. If we really get clear on what problem we want to solve, you then let it go. The subconscious brain does the work. But feed good quality ingredients into that brain and let it just swirl around in the pot and it will break and find that answer for you. And then we all experience, oh, I'm driving, the idea pops up. I'm showering, the idea pops up. Because it's only when you stop that they're allowed to break through that barrier. Thank you, Lisa. I was just going to add that I I know that one of my own struggles, um, and I wonder if others have struggled with this too, is that we get wired to really enjoy kind of the adrenaline rush that comes with doing things all the time. And especially, I know for me, procrastination um, earlier in my life was something that was uh, a big driver for my productivity. It was like my best creative moments were happening at the last last second. Um, But what I found is that I was actually addicted to the adrenaline of doing things. And I had to kind of rewire the relationship that I had and instead see that, no, I actually feel better when I give myself some time and space to conceptualize what I want to put out there or allow my mind to wander, to think about the the different things I want to include in a particular project that I'm working on, um, as opposed to being addicted to the adrenaline of, oh my God, it's the 11th hour and I need to get this thing done. So I just wanted to, to draw the connection there as well of kind of what's the association that we're making here? Um, are we in a go, go, go mentality? And that's what kind of releases the happy juices in our brain. Uh, so now it becomes difficult to slow it down and it feels like we're getting a depletion in the happy juices, uh, endorphins, if you will. But or is it the opposite where, you know, now all of a sudden we're able to to be still, we have a positive association with building in time and space and opportunity to be, uh, and now that association gets strengthened. So it's something that uh, somebody had asked for some actionable tips. I think that it's something that you can be diligent about and it's a skill that you can learn. Um, and like I alluded to earlier, uh, a tangible exercise that has worked for a lot of the clients I, I, I work with is, you know, to to build this into 30 seconds, 60 seconds, 90 seconds, and build up from there. Uh, And what you do is you just get really curious. You don't pass judgment on anything that comes up, which is usually the first thing that we do. Um, You know, we we label a thought or a feeling good or bad. Uh, We're quick to categorize things. Instead, just ask yourself, hmm, okay, I'm just noticing whatever it was that was coming up in that moment. And you just take mental note of it and keep it moving and just allow those thoughts and feelings to kind of flow through you. And what you find is that you develop much more of a comfort with being able to sit with that. Um, And that's how you build up the tolerance. Uh, I really loved what Lisa had said about having the tea meditation. I do a coffee meditation. um, And anytime that you're eating lunch, it can be a meditative practice as well, where you pay attention to the textures of the food that you're eating, the smells, what it looks like, you know, all of that stuff, the how warm it is. Um, those are all part of orienting yourself using your senses and just allowing yourself to be present in those activities is meditative in and of itself. Uh, and it does allow your mind to wander to where you can be creative. Thank you for doing that, Nitty. Amina, the mic is yours. Hi, Chris. Um, thank you. Um, big fan of your work. I've practically grown up with your content, quite literally. Um, So for me, it's quite interesting hearing this concept of boredom and boredom for me is not something that I enjoy. I don't actually consider boredom a thing in the sense that for me and the way my brain is wired as someone with ADHD, it's either I'm stimulated or I'm not. Um, It's quite clear cut. So boredom as a concept for me is something that I've realized 
has been put on me and it's actually been used to confine me into thinking I'm either quote unquote productive or not. So the way my brain is wired, I'm literally interest driven. So if I think this is interesting enough, I'll do it. If not, then I won't. I don't want to attach any shame or any feeling of, oh my gosh, why am I not doing this? Why am I not doing that? Which is easier said than done. And for me, like I've constantly got overlapping thoughts, whether I'm sitting down staring at the ceiling or something or whether I'm doing something, (laughs) I don't actually have a stop button. So for me, I've kind of, I guess, divested from the concept of boredom because who am I to say a state of being to be something that you can be bored of? It's just, you're just there. It sounds really simplistic, but for me, I just don't like the connotations that are attached to boredom because it's often against a measure of productivity in the society we live in where it's just constantly like churn out this, do this, do that, do this. And I think for me, enjoyment, relaxation, um, creative boredom is more of a communal thing. For me, I feel like it's hard to let my mind run free with creativity when I'm not around people that I can bounce that creativity with, even if it is in silence which is quite strange, but um, I think the older I'm getting and the more I'm trying to understand how I actually work and function and engage with things around me, um, the more I realise that boredom as a concept actually confines me and I just don't have the brain for it. (laughs) So I'd rather just look at what stimulates me and work with that rather than push against it for the sake of self-care. I think I'd rather just be, and the concept of work for me is very much tied into what drives me as a person so when I find that sweet spot that would be great but as for now um, it's just working with my chaotic brain and see what happens thank you very much I'm going to throw this over to Reza first Reza do you have any summary thoughts as we are landing this plane and getting us out of here Um, I think uh, being bored can be good I think being bored can be bad it's just ultimately what action are you taking during that state Matthew, um, any summary thoughts from you? Uh, Yeah, just to piggyback off of uh, Reza, I think one question that has been very helpful for me to understand if my downtime activities are quote-unquote good or bad is when you're done with an activity, whether that be watching Netflix, playing uh, the guitar, um, watching YouTube, whatever that is, just simply ask yourself, do I feel energized right now or do I feel drained and depleted? Because that was very helpful for me to assess a lot of my pastime activities as to whether or not it's helping to supercharge my creativity um, versus just draining me and I'm just occupying my time because I'm bored. So I just wanted to share that because that was very helpful for me to make those assessments. Thank you, Matthew. Um, Mo, any summary thoughts from you? Uh, I had a realization as everybody was speaking that I think the reason why personally, I pack a lot of my time with other things is a little bit remnants of my avoidant behavior towards that activity itself. And also, um, similar to the discussions we said earlier, jumping, because the reason for not creating boredom is maybe there's a little bit of reluctance to having to hold myself accountable to the work that's required that comes from the boredom. Uh, and and that treads into the avoidance. So there was a moment of realization for me that was super powerful while listening to everybody 
that uh, just connects with everything we've been talking about over the past few weeks. So I just appreciate all of the insight and vulnerability that everyone has shared today. Nitty, over to you. I just appreciated this conversation and I'm really grateful that we're kind of uh, breaking down some of the barriers for people um, to truly just take care of themselves and and not feel bad about disconnecting um, and allowing yourself the opportunity to just be curious about your inner experiences. Um, It's hard at first, so give yourself some grace, but just know that there's so much to gain um, as a result of just being curious and leaning into what you're thinking and feeling and allowing that to flow. Um, And something that I I do along the way is, uh, you know, after uh, after a, a period of time where I've kind of built in this opportunity for my mind to wander, I, I write down all of the new insights and that actually becomes a ton of my Instagram content. It's like my mind just wanders to things that I think that people would want to hear or solutions for, for challenges that I might be encountering. And I write them down and it just feels like I've done all the work without doing any of the work. So it's a very rewarding experience, um, but just know it's a skill that you can develop. So so thanks, Chris, for, for being here. And uh, thanks, Mo, and everybody who contributed. Really appreciate y'all. Thank you, Nitty. And here are my final thoughts on this. In a super demanding, hyperactive, always on social chirping society, it is actually very difficult to enter to a state of stillness and to be able to quiet your mind. Um, there's this quote from Deepak Chopra, daydream, imagine, and reflect. It's the source of infinite creativity. In my opinion, daydreaming and boredom are cousins. And the biggest, most underutilized creativity hack is to put yourself into a state of intentional boredom. That's it for me. Thank you very much, everybody. Thanks for joining us this time. If you haven't already, subscribe to our show on your favorite podcasting app and get a new insightful episode from us every week. The Future Podcast is hosted by Chris Doe and produced by me, Greg Gunn. Thank you to Anthony Barrow for editing and mixing this episode. And thank you to Adam Sanborn for our intro music. If you enjoyed this episode, then do us a favor by rating and reviewing our show on Apple Podcasts. It'll help us grow the show and make future episodes that much better. Have a question for Chris or me? head over to thefuture.com slash heychris and ask away. We read every submission and we just might answer yours in a later episode. If you'd like to support the show and invest in yourself while you're at it, visit thefuture.com. You'll find video courses, digital products, and a bunch of helpful resources about design and creative business. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.